I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome here to Husker Online Headlines. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple. We are snowed in. Uh, we are not in studio. We are in our own home studios, Sip. Uh, but still lots to cover. And I want to start this week off headline number one, because on Friday, you and I, Brian Munson, we're driving up to Ainsworth. We've had this trip planned for several weeks, uh, but we're going to Ainsworth, a four-plus-hour drive from Lincoln, to see tight end Carter Nelson, um, who is arguably, if not the number one ranked player right now in the state of Nebraska. And you know, our timing of this trip maybe couldn't be better. Uh, as we were getting ready to tape this show on Thursday, Alabama comes into Ainsworth, Nebraska. Nick Saban offers an eight-man football player, Carter Nelson. How about that? Yeah, was, was Saban there? Was he in Ainsworth? No, no, he can't be there, but oh. they offered me. Nick Saban offered him. I mean, I, okay, I think, yeah. Yeah, I suspect he'll get a lot more offers like this. I mean, Michigan and Notre Dame. I mean, a lot. Michigan, Notre Dame, Auburn. There's a lot that have already come. He'll get He'll get a lot. I mean, he's a special athlete, 6'5", 210. Um, I always look I, – I mean, what I look at is the fact he's a pole vaulter. I mean, that's – Pole vaulters are crazy good athletes, um, s- strong, fast. I mean, upper body strength, lower body strength. So yeah, he's got it all. I'm not. I'm not. It doesn't really surprise me that Alabama offered him. Well, it's the fact that you know they had they they went to Ainsworth, Nebraska, to offer an eight man player. You know, to to get there because we're we're going to experience this tomorrow. It's not easy to get there. And yeah. they're willing to do that. But when you look at what he's done on the track, you mentioned the pole vault. I just want to run through these numbers for you, Sip, because this is a six foot five, what, 240 pound tight end. No, I two, we list him at 210. Yeah, excuse me, 210. Um, he's, an, he's an 11 flat guy in the 100. He's a 22 7 guy in the 200. He has a class C record right now of seven foot in the high jump. He throws the discus 175 feet. And he's gone thirteen eight in the pole vault. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Pole vault number. I mean, the pole I mean, vault number is really the one that jumps out. Well, the comp. I mean, the discus number one seventy five in the discus as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Do you understand how good that is? Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a big time athlete, um, and you know he's put up numbers on the football field too. Um, you know he's a place tight end, but he, he rushed for a lot of yards. I mean he's. I think he's got – I mean, he's thrown touchdown passes. He's caught touchdown passes. He's run, and he's rushed for touchdowns. I mean, he's pretty much just does it all in that eight, in, in eight man. And I don't know. I don't I don't get too hung up on the eight-man thing. If a, if a kid can play, he can play. And obviously he can play. Yeah, I mean, there hasn't been a lot of eight-man guys get offers from the state. I mean, the Shanley brothers, obviously from St. Edwards, were, were notorious eight-man standouts. Uh, Brock Knutson was an eight-man player at one time in Nebraska's recruiting class. Uh, Seth Malcolm, who's currently on the Husker team, was an eight-man player. But you just don't see a lot of eight-man guys 
um, come out of the ranks anymore for a lot of reasons. Cause you know, generally if you're in the vicinity of a class B or C school and you're a guy of this caliber, you're, you're, you might go to that school versus playing eight man. Well, where Carter Nelson's at in Ainsworth, there aren't a lot of other options and both his parents are teachers and coaches at Ainsworth high school. Um, so it, it's a unique situation. We're going to get a chance as well Friday night uh, to catch his basketball game. Sip. Yeah. We'll get I, I want to gauge like Nebraska's chances here. I mean, Michigan coming in, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of schools going to be after him. So I, I want to gauge what – I mean, is this a surefire thing for Nebraska or not? I, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I, that's what one thing I want to find out. Yeah, Notre Dame, um, you know, we, we know Matt Rule went up there to see him in January. Marcus Satterfield went up there as well. Uh, but Notre Dame's head coach, Marcus Freeman, has been in Ainsworth as well. So yeah, um, this will be a battle. That tells you, you know – I mean, it kind of reminds you back in the day, like Scott Frost, when Bill Walsh came to Wood River, Nebraska to recruit Scott Frost. I mean, you, you just don't generally see in this part of the state, west of Lincoln, west of Kearney, a guy that's going to generate this type of attention because you've got to be pretty dang good for them to say, we're going to pass over a lot of other guys to go all the way to Ainsworth to find you. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, see. we'll see how it all shakes out. And this is a big one for Matt Rule. Um, I, I think when you talk about Dylan Riola as a, as a big target, I mean, this to me is as big as any recruit for Matt Rule in this first full year of recruiting. Yeah, Bob Wager. I mean, automatically puts this, you know, these guys um, come in here and there's, I mean, <laughs> Bob Wager's thrown into it now. This is what Nebraska fans are going to be watching. Can he get this kid? You know, it's real. I mean, things in a, program like this it gets real fast and now it's real fast it, it got real really fast here for bob wager hi it's sean callahan with husker online we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing but they also can be amazingly distracting especially when we're around other people so u.s cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five that's right a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. All right, let's move on. Headline number two, um, roster movement. We've, we've, we knew it would come, Sip. We knew mm -hmm. there would be some movement to this football team because they're over the scholarship numbers by close to 20. Um, we saw just a little bit of churn this week. And it was really done by just roster analysis. Huskers.com removed some players from the roster. Hunter Anthony, the offensive lineman, is not going to be back for a six-year of eligibility. Not a real surprise. Um, I, I I don't know. I'm guessing he stuck around to, to keep his scholarship for this semester, but he's just not going to be a part of the team for a six-year of eligibility. It didn't go in the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. uh, but then Elante Brown, not listed on the roster. In fact, uh, did not report back to Lincoln in January for workouts or classes. Um, there's more going on here than I think we know from uh, a program source I spoke with. Um, the door is not closed on Elante Brown. Um, you know, he, he could potentially come back to Nebraska. Um, we know Hunter Anthony gone sip. Elante Brown still kind of up in the air. Yeah, Elante Brown, 16 catches last year, 191 yards. I mean, this he was, the, I think he was the third leading receiver. Um, it's a it's a loss if they lose him. Hunter Anthony, don't underestimate that. I mean, that's he's one of your top seven linemen 
And you don't, I mean, you don't want to lose big bodies. There's just not that many of them. Um, there's not that many guys walking around that size. It's a, that's a loss. I, I mean, it's, he started the Purdue game last year. He played special teams. He's a great attitude guy. Um, that, I mean, I think they're about equal in my mind. Um, I know, I know people will say, what are you talking about? Simple, but no, I mean, there's just not that many guys. I mean, he was right on the edge of the rotation, Hunter Anthony. Well, Prohaska's back though. Yeah, I get it, but there's you need those guys. Guys go down. There's just not that many big guys like that. They got you know they're 14 scholarship offensive linemen now. They want 16. Um, I don't. I think it's a. I'd say they're about even in terms of importance. Because you look at it, let's just assume Prohaska starts at left tackle. Is it you know it's. Probably Corcoran, maybe Ben Hart. Like those are the two guys that will battle for the right side. And John Prohaska's not even practicing this spring. I mean, that they could use Hunter Anthony. Um, so I yeah, that's a I get it. I mean, Teddy's earmarked, but we'll see how that all that unfolds. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious what led him to leave though. Like, I mean, if 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 he is in a good position, like you say, like what would drive him out? Why would well, he? Well, I don't know if he's in a great position. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you need just not that many guys. I mean, he was on the edge of the rotation. There's no doubt about that. He started a game. Um, he was not probably going to be a starter, but I'm all I'm saying, Sean, is those bodies, those, you know, six, four, 300 pound guys don't grow on trees. Um, and this was a this was a, this was a, at one point a scholarship offensive lineman. So I, I I'd never take lightly when those guys leave. And he got his opportunity when Ben Hart um, was benched, and he just didn't take it. Um, and you know I I know people the pro football focus numbers you can agree or disagree with them, but he didn't grade out very well. I mean his numbers were below Ben Hart. In fact, by the end of the year, Bryce Ben Hart was playing as well as any lineman on Nebraska's team. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to see what Riola does now with that right tackle. I'm assuming Prohaska's back at left um, based on the potential, but yeah, he's got to show it, get back healthy um, for the spring. That's where the Walter Rouse going to Oklahoma. When you go back to that moment, yeah, that that was such a big moment. Mm -hmm. in this oh offense. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's guys that graded better than Hunter Anthony, but nobody graded that well. I mean, the so. It is what it is. Uh, you know, and Alante definitely was going to be a factor. I don't know. I don't know. He's not a guy you lean on to win games, but he's definitely a factor in the receiver rotation. So hopefully he gets back. And he's a great – both those kids, Hunter Anthony and Alante, were very willing special teams guys. Um, Alante was great that way. I mean, uh, not all receivers, you know, raise their hand when it's – time to time to join the special teams group he was very willing um and hunter anthony was that way too great attitude guy they're both great attitude guys so i don't know yeah i don't know what the we'll just have to see how all that shakes out and what we don't know are the parameters around why brown left is it academic related is it a right. thing is it a personal thing i mean nobody yeah, I has any idea why he didn't come back to lincoln but we do know the door is open for a possible return um, because he was, you know, before we knew anything, he was projected as a starter just based on last year. Was he going to start with a new system, a new coach? We don't know that. Yeah. Close, though. He had to be in the He was in the yeah. picture for sure. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. 
This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I mean, all right, let's move on. Headline number three, Matt Rule continues to make the rounds, uh, has done a number of interviews again this week, Sip. Uh, even talked to our own J.D. Piquel, by the way, a former Matt Rule player. You talked to Piquel before about that, right? Yeah, he did play, yeah, he did play for Baylor. Yeah, he, he but Piquel was only there for a semester. I, he, he, had, uh, he was there for a semester and he had concussion issues. But a lot of ground covered by Matt Rule today uh, or this week on, on a, a number of different things. A couple interesting nuggets. Tommy Hill will move back to quarterback. <coughs> and mm-hmm. that move to receiver, it didn't really ever feel – I mean, they tried to make it work, but it just never took off. And he was a starting corner. Things went pretty poorly when the defense struggled at the start of the year. They moved him to receiver. And he played sparingly at receiver, had some targets – just never really any impact moments. And that would have been tough just to walk into receiver in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, but now we know Tommy Hill back to corner. Your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, they're, they're not in bad. Okay, my thought is they have Newsom probably going to start on one side. Hartzog, Malcolm Hartzog, I wouldn't say he locked down that other side, but he played pretty well as the season went on. You need more than two, though. And Tommy should just – I mean, I would hope Tommy Hill has the mindset, I'm going to challenge for a starting job. I'll beat out, I'll, I'll beat out Hartzog. Um, i got to think that's the way he'll approach it. Just kind of a reset. Gets a reset with a new staff, with a new defensive coordinator. Doesn't, can't, it doesn't have to be a bad thing for him at all. This could be really good for Tommy Hill. Yeah, you wonder what went south because, I mean, Travis Fisher is not a guy to overly compliment and sh- – you know, talk a guy up and he talked Tommy Hill up. And then just with the way that scheme and the way the defense struggled early in the year, he was almost one of the fallmen for that, the play on the field, the way they played as a unit. He didn't play well. Um, can he rebound out of that with a fresh start? Because we hey, know, Junior, I mean, players, players, I mean, they don't typically, I mean, we do this in the media. Um, we, act like players don't get better or that sometimes they get worse. They don't just stay. It's not linear all the time. Players evolve. Now, what you hope is that if you're a Nebraska fan is that Tommy Hill just improves, that he, that he uses the off season, uses last season as, as motivation, and then uses this off season to improve his deficiencies. I don't know exactly you say went south, I guess. I mean, Oklahoma Oklahoma went after him hard. Georgia Southern went after him hard. And then that was it. They had to make a change. Hartsock stepped up. Now, well, but that doesn't mean – we'll just see where it goes. There's, that's that's why there's competition. And like I said, the important thing is he's, he's a junior. He can get better. He's, he can improve, and we'll see what happens. It's good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing for Mal- Malcolm Hartsog. Or – you know, could be he presses Newsom. I don't know, but I would never count Tommy Hill out of anything. Well, you talk about speed. Um, they're measuring that on these guys, miles per hour. Uh, Tommy mm-hmm. Hill has the fastest miles per hour on the team right now. So, uh, he, he's got a place. You got to get him 
on the field somehow. Now, I don't know if he'll return kickoffs again. He was their kickoff returner. You'd think he'd have a shot at that. I like the – he didn't produce yardage numbers as a kickoff returner like you'd want, but I like the way he did it. I mean, he, he, he wasn't afraid to stick his face in the fan. I mean, he got up – he got upfield. Um, now, again, all these things in football, are, you, you say, well, he didn't have the yardage. Well, how was the blocking? You know, how was the execution that way? I don't know. Um, I just know Tommy Hill's a competitor. He's still in the program, and I, I don't think we've heard the last from him. Now, moving on to injuries, um, there are at least five or six, you know, start, yeah. starter level, play, level players that are out for the spring. We already hit on one of them, Teddy Prohaska with the shoulder. Uh, mm-hmm. Ty Robinson also had a shoulder. Mm-hmm. He's out for the spring. Uh, Rody Tagaloa, tight end, who's been kind of hurt, battle injury since he's been here. He's out. Um, Nick Henrich, ACL injury that he suffered. He'll be out this spring. Marquise Buford, um, he suffered an ACL injury. He's out for the spring. Then obviously Casey Thompson and Logan Smothers, if they do come back, it's probably limited. Uh, you know, Thomas Fedoni's another one, the tight end, after back-to-back spring uh, injuries to his knees. Uh, you got to think they're going to be precautious with him, but there's some pretty big guys out for yeah. the spring there, Sip. Oh yeah. Yeah, there are. And they're, it's all, they're all a little different in the way you look at them with Nick Henrich. I don't know that I'd look at that as a negative that he's out. You always guys always need reps, but there's also the matter of having too much tread on the tire Henrich is a guy who under well, I mean, they're, he's got to learn a new system, but he'll probably pick that up fast. Mental reps will be critical for a guy like Henrich. But he's, I mean, listen, he's been injury prone. Sometimes a spring off to get your body completely right makes a lot of sense for some guys. You know, again, it's always, there's a, it's a plus minus thing, Sean. You need reps. Most anybody at that age needs reps uh, to get better. And some of these guys have missed a significant amount of time. Teddy's missed a lot of time. I mean, um, we'll see how we'll see how he comes back. Um, Buford hasn't missed a lot of time. I, I'm sure he'll come back fine. Robinson hasn't missed a lot of time. I don't think guys like that you worry about too much. But it's it again. It's it's pros and cons on that. Um, I'd say with a guy like Henrich, it might do him more good than harm to miss a spring. Yeah, I think for Henrich, I, I would just like to see him play faster. I, I just feel like, you know, as a veteran guy, just can he play at a high speed? Um, like, it was, you see that from Reimer. Um, you haven't necessarily seen it as much from Henrich. Well, they've both they've both been injury prone, and some of it's because of their size, I think. I The Big Ten's a, you know, it's a big, big person conference. Um, those guys aren't big linebackers, neither of them. Um, they're smaller linebackers and they get, they take a brutal pounding and they like, if you just look at both of their careers, um, they've struggled to stay healthy. Ty Robinson being out too. I mean, the picture of that defensive line right now without him, I mean, it's, it's pretty limited. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised, Sean. We didn't, you know, there was a lot of euphoria about the, players they brought in but they didn't bring in many big men um and you'll you'll it'll be noticeable this spring so like when they talk about playing this spring game with 
real football. How's that going to look if you don't have the guy? If you don't have enough guys up front, there. If they if they have another guy go down, are they going to have enough to play? You know, um, well that that's that remains to be seen. Yeah, that that position is intriguing. Just what they do, and even the old line, uh, Hunter Anthony gone, Prohaska out. I mean, right. their injury are two away from that group. And people used to be critical of previous staffs that you know didn't want to do a true spring game because they run out of bodies. But you know, you you get to a point in the spring where sometimes you are pretty limited. Out. Absolutely. I mean, it's easy for us as a media core to thump our chest and say, "Hey, man, they got a hit. They got a hit in the spring game." <laughs> well. If they don't have enough guys to do it, it, it doesn't look good for anybody, especially if another guy goes down. Um, so you just got to kind of kind of see how it goes. Um, but, yeah, I'll, well, I don't want to say too much. Uh, maybe they feel okay about their depth, but they can't feel real wonderful about their scholarship depth. In terms of scholarship linemen, they don't have a ton of it on either side, really. All right, uh, you're joining us here on Husker Online Headline. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, as uh, we go through uh, a number of things. I do want to hit on this before we go to our next headline, Sip, roster size as well. That seems to just be kind of a hot topic, mm -hmm. uh, just what that's going to end up being. Um, I think it's safe to say we're probably going to see the smallest roster we've seen since probably the Callahan era, um, mm -hmm. which those rosters were generally around 115 players. Um, and I think Nebraska right now is on a – pace to to be around 120 or less than 120 and they were operating with well over 150 players the last four years under scott frost does, does that get your attention at all no i mean not really I, I don't i don't know i guess in the eyes of some people it's supposed to it doesn't really mean i mean if nebraska is in the 115 range that's where a lot of teams are sean I mean, they're just doing – I mean, I know LSU was at 110. Um, a lot of teams are in that range. Nebraska would just be kind of falling into to what most teams are. Again, it's sort of a head coach preference. I don't know how much the AD is involved in that. Um, no, it doesn't cause me any – now, here, I guess what the sensitive part of the discussion is, are you are you knocking off the, the walk-on program? Uh, to a certain extent, I suppose you are. I don't know how many people get whipped up in that conversation. I really don't. You know, the thing about the walk-on program, I don't pin it on a certain coach that, oh, he diminished it or did put emphasis into it. You know what got rid of the walk-on pro program or it's diminished it? FCS football. Yeah. When, yeah. You, when you think about the evolution of Division II football, which for a lot of programs in this region turned into FCS – Mm -hmm. They go from, what, 32, 33 scholarships to 62. So North Dakota, South Dakota, South Dakota State, Northern I all, all those programs right. are full FCS members. And Absolutely. Good programs. North Dakota yeah. State. Mm -hmm. um, you know, And there was a time when those teams played in the NCC conference with UNO, and getting to go there didn't have near the prestige of going – you know, it'd be like going, I mean, no knock on like Wayne State or Shattern, but those were Division II programs. Mm -hmm. The Dakota teams were Division II. Now the Dakota teams can beat, you know, Power Five opponents. And so yeah. I think kids, when they get the opportunity to go to North Dakota State or South Dakota State locally, they're going to take that 90-some percent of the time over a walk-on offer from Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how fans, I, I guess I'd be interested to, 
see and hear what fans reaction is to this. I don't, Sean, I don't have a strong reaction to it, but I, but it doesn't mean I'm not interested to see what others think about it. What's interesting though, to me is the locker room. They built this new facility, the Taj Mahal that's being built as we speak to hold 155 players Mm -hmm. in the locker room, the meeting rooms, they're never going to have that many players that probably ever again. Mm-hmm. I think when Bill Callahan and Steve Peterson designed the original Osborne complex in 04, they never envisioned rosters of 180, 150 players ever again. And then right. that changed under Polini and then obviously Frost. They they wanted to kind of carry ro- a robust walk-on program. Um, yeah. So that part is interesting that they kind of went out of their way to make this new facility big enough to to house everybody and they're not they're not, not going to end up needing it all right well you'd rather be too big than too small no, you're right and they have a lot of staff members over there um so there's plenty of room for them in the meeting room they'll use uh, the room yeah yeah that's yeah i think it's fine buy a big house you always find you find something to use every room for right right yeah uh so yeah i think sean i that again this is a head coach discussion it's a head coach preference and that's we have plenty of time to ask Matt Rule about it. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, um, let's move on. Um, March 24th, uh, that will be mm. the first week of Nebraska's spring ball. They're going to, by the way, Sipple, uh, headline number four here, March 24th, recruiting weekend. Uh, they're going to practice Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. That's going to be the general spring schedule. Nothing out of the norm. They're going to keep the morning practices. But that first weekend of spring ball, it's going to be a massive recruiting weekend highlighted by Dylan Riola. We've already confirmed eight 2024s, one 2025 that are going to be here. And that list continues to grow. I mentioned Dylan Riola, the five-star. Mm-hmm. There's going to be another five-star here, Sit from Lee Summit North, mm-hmm. uh, William uh, Nawarney. Um, he's a five-star defensive end. Mm-hmm. He's the number one player in the state of Missouri. Then you're going to okay. have the number one player in I- uh, I- Idaho, Gatlin Bear. He's a wide receiver um, that will be making his way in. You'll have the number one player in Iowa that's going to be here um, in Grant Bricks from Logan Magnolia. Um, so, you know, there's a number of guys, a number of top guys that will be making their way here. And that list, I think, is going to continue to grow as that opening weekend of spring practice is going to be maybe one of the biggest, you know, early recruiting weekends for Matt Rule, especially if things go well with Dylan Raiola. Right. So, yeah, that's huge. So the spring practice will begin March 20th. Um, Yeah, this is and you know how it is, Sean. I mean, if you get kids here, if you get them on campus, that a lot of them are sort of amazed by what they see in the city and just the just the the, you know, the city and the program. I I don't know. I have I've always believed that if you get them here, you got you got a decent chance, especially now. I know we're not talking about the spring game, but you know, if you can get some of these kids back, I guess on unofficials for the spring game on April 22nd, come on now. That's got, that's got, that thing's going to be packed with the new coaching staff. 
and that'll make a huge impression on a lot of kids. This spring will be will be critical, um, and it could be really, really fruitful because of the newness of the staff, because of the energy right now that you feel with starting with the head coach, but throughout the staff. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, that whole, <laughs> that whole discussion involving Dylan Rayola, this, it could be an incredibly, incredibly intense spring. Cause if they can get him, he's the, he then becomes your most valuable recruiter. Yeah. I, I, yeah, for sure. And I think he's cut out for that kind of job. I always kind of, kind of, I'm always a little hesitant to go down that path because it feels like you're putting not only are you expecting him to win games on the field, but now you're expecting him to win recruiting battles. Um, so I don't like to do that, but um, I it's just it's just inherent in the discussion. Yeah, two five stars though visiting. Oh man. First of all, there aren't a lot of five stars right now. Mm -hmm. like, I think people need to understand that. Like on on three right now, like we don't even have that many guys carrying a five star ranking, and two of them are going to be in Lincoln in in March. I mean, yeah. that's unbelievable um, when when you when you put it in just in those dry terms. That yeah, and what it means to me is those are the difference making. I mean, oftentimes, let's face it, five star players are the difference makers. You know, we I believe that Nebraska has to get back to getting those kind of players. I don't, I mean, for, for some reason in this market, we've just sort of forgotten about the importance of all Americans. I, I mean, I don't, why you think you can win championships without all Americans is really beyond me. I, but, but we do that here. You know, I don't know if you think you can win the big 10, you can topple Ohio state with cute little stories I mean, no, you got to go get dudes. Who, 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 how are you going to win? Are you want to win the Big Ten? I mean, is that is that something you want to do? If you do, you better go get a lot of four star and five star guys, or you're just going to be the perennial underdog that maybe once every ten years rises up and gets in there. Is that if that's what you want to be? That's what you want to be. Well, and to kind of put it into more perspective, so we have the consensus at on three, which is a combination of all the rankings together. So Ryle is number one, uh, Nawarni's number two, uh, 10. But in the actual on three rankings, the ones that we do with Charles Power, who is one of the better evaluators in the industry, he did 24-7s rankings for a number of years before coming over here to on three with Shannon Terry. He's got Ryle one, Nawarni number three overall. Okay. So yeah. according to our rankings at on three, two of the top three players sip in the country will be here. I mean, yeah. there's never really been that type of, impact guys here in one weekend yeah it's huge it's huge um and if you've got both of them then automatically you look at the program differently um now again now we and you always got to throw this in they have to pan out i mean because you land two five-star players doesn't guarantee it guarantees you nothing but but i think it gives you a better chance the, the and finally um, i want ian uh, Ian Flint will be here again. He's this will be his second trip to Lincoln. But you know what? What, what does that mean? You know, are they going to take two tight ends? I mean, because we know Carter Nelson is probably the number one tight end on the board at this point. So would they take a commitment from Ian Flint right now on his second trip? Because yeah. are they going to take two? I mean, we don't really know the answers to their tight end board right now. Yeah, those are those are 
those are difficult recruiting discussions. That whole discussion with Rayola is fascinating to me that if he, if he, I don't know that he'll do this show, but if he takes his recruitment into June, what's Nebraska doing at that stage? You've said in, in, you said the other day that perhaps they would just, at that point, you just rely on the portal. Um, but all those things are very, like the fluidity of these discussions, it's fun for us, but it's challenging, I would think, for coaches. Look, look how razor thin that RPM is on, on Riola. I mean, generally, you don't see it this close where there's three teams kind of all right there. Yeah. Ohio State's out of it. I mean, they're they're just kind of hanging on on the formula based on he was previously committed there. But you know, you've mentioned with Riola, some other teams like a Penn State, there could be a surprise player that emerges here this spring. Yeah, that RPM, I like. I think that's an accurate RPM. Um, just based on a lot of conversations with Dominic, you know, we everybody knows Georgia's in this, and everybody knows Nebraska's in it. USC in the last few months has really escalated in the conversation. I just know from Dominic's comments that there was a period when USC, I don't think was doing a very good job of recruiting Dylan Rayola, but that has changed. And, and, you know, um, they're, they're a major factor. That is a, I would say based on conversations with Dominic, that's a very accurate RPM, but he also characterized the recruit, the recruitment of Dylan as being wide open. So, yeah, another team could jump in there. I don't know. He, he, doesn't, he didn't name any. He named a bunch of teams that could jump in, Penn State being one of them. If you're not familiar with RPM stands for Recruit Prediction Machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Shannon Terry, when they were at 247, he created the crystal ball. That's become obviously a huge part of the recruiting process. This is on three's version. It's the Recruit Prediction Machine. We can put predictions in, but what, what the RPM does is it pulls the prediction data from other networks as well, Rivals and 247, puts them in here. It takes social media likes and other data out there. So it is a really unique formula, the RPM, uh, the way it pulls that data. And I agree with you. I mean, that's about how I would handicap it. I mean, Nebraska is right there. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not ready to put an RPM in it at this point. Um, I, I know some people have done that for Nebraska mm-hmm. or Georgia or whoever, um, mm-hmm. but I, I just I'm not comfortable to say he's gonna you know pick Nebraska. I, I don't I don't know. I really don't. I would just like someone to call me a recruit prediction machine. Um, <laughs> I don't. Well, you can put I, a little confidence in. I mean, you can do like a forty percent. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm with you on Dylan. I think this is this is the way to look at it right now. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, final headline. Nebraska basketball back at home, 4 p.m. Sunday, Maryland. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Nebraska home this week. Uh, they have three home games in a row now, Sunday, Saturday, then Tuesday, and then they close on March 5th at Iowa. So they're home all the way from now until March 5th. Pinnacle Bank Arena is going to be packed. It's going to be buzzing. 
Kasei Toganama is one of the most popular Husker basketball players that we've seen in a while just with the way he's played. I'm really looking forward to this game on Sunday, Sip. Yeah, you said it the other day, and I thought I think it was it made a lot of sense to me that this could get kind of silly. I mean, Nebraska's struggled most of the season. They've won two in a row now, and they're they're very they're both good wins. I mean, Wisconsin came into Lincoln uh, on Sunday, needed a win bad, and got up by 17. And then Tominaga hit a couple threes early in the second half, got Nebraska to 11, and then it was sort of game on. I thought Wisconsin kind of tightened up. Again, Wisconsin needed to win bad for their NCAA tournament resume. And I thought early Wisconsin kind of was playing like the team that needed a win, a little more urgency. But then, see, there's a fine line in that conversation. Team needs a win. You start pressing them. They get tight sometimes. And I thought Wisconsin did. And then Nebraska went to Rutgers, of course, on Tuesday um, and got a like a, a gigantic win. Um, now, here we go. Maryland comes in. Now, Maryland of these upcoming games will be the toughest. Maryland has won five of its last six. Maryland beat Nebraska by 19 earlier. They're Maryland right now going into a game tonight against Purdue is 17 and 8 and 8 and 6. But then after that, Nebraska comes back and plays Minnesota, which is really, really skidding. I mean, they're one and twelve in the league, and then Michigan State um, would be the third game in that homestand, uh, the third straight game that we're talking about here. And they're they're good. Um, they just beat Maryland, by the way. So, it, but I give I'd still say Maryland's a little bit tougher a game than Michigan State. Yeah. And- and we're not, I mean, I, I don't know if you're on the same page as me, but I'm not saying NCAA tournament or anything, but no, I'm if not. Fred can get them to the NIT, that would be a gigantic step for this program, considering mm-hmm. where they were picked, 14th in the Big Ten, and the expectations that this team had going in. I mean, it, they are over meeting the expectations, especially considering they're down two of their top players. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah. That's a really interesting part of the conversation. What they've done without Emmanuel Bandamel and Juwan Gary. Now, what's really interesting about the conversation is if Emmanuel Bandamel and Juwan Gary were still playing, would we have seen this emergence of Kasei Tominaga? He would not have probably played it as many minutes, unless you know he would have he would have scored at a, a rate that would. <laughs> that would leave Fred Horberg with no decision, but to play him. I don't know. I don't know how that would have looked, but what's happened, what's changed the conversation dramatically is Casey Tominaga has become sort of this. Oh, I mean, he's like a, become a big 10 star player. I mean, he's scored for 20, 20 plus points, four straight games. He's real. This isn't a, like, you know, there was a time where you thought, ah, oh, he's just kind of a three point shooter doesn't do much else. He changed his game a lot. I mean, you really got to give him a lot of credit because now he can't take the ball and the dribble and get to the rim. He cuts without the ball exceptionally well. We hadn't seen that. Um, and he's just a he's – he's constant motion. I mean, he's really hard to guard. And then you couple that with Fred – now, nobody in 
that knows anything about basketball would ever question Fred's offensive bas- basketball acumen. He's a he's a he's a very good offensive coach. He knows how to get someone like Tominaga the ball. Now, I'm not suggesting that Tominaga is going to get the ball and be wide open. That's not the way it, it's going to work because there's going to be so much attention on him now. But Fred knows how to get him open for a sliver, and that's all he needs. He's you, you see it, Sean. He's got quick release. Um, he he can get the ball off. He's he's a bear right now for teams. And, you know, Nebraska's got some other guys that are good. D- D- Downhill Derek Walker's good. Um, he's been consistent scorer. Sam Griesel um, got, can get you key baskets. And then Wiltshire the other day at, at Rutgers. If Wiltshire gets hot, you have you have Tominaga and Wiltshire going on the perimeter. There's got to be really tougher about anybody. I'm curious with Kasey uh, Toganama if, you know, what his decision will be. Because, you know, he's got eligibility remaining. He's going to play for Japan. Um, you know, with their Olympic team and, and be mm-hmm. a part of some of that stuff. But will they get him back? I mean, I, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he's back next year because of the overseas opportunities. He can't make NIL. Can you imagine if he could make NIL, oper- have NIL opportunities um, just with the connection overseas, like the type of things oh, he can have for him? He's a big story in Japan right now. No I doubt. Mean. So now here's the thing. I Sean, I don't want to go too far down. Just enjoy this. I mean, enjoy him here right now. And he can worry. Robin, our Robin Washington covers the team better than anybody. He can worry about that conversation in the offseason. I think there's this this fought this final stretch of games in the regular season, then going into the Big Ten. I like you said, it could get kind of silly in a fun in a very fun way. I wonder if there'll be any Japanese media that make their way into Nebraska. The, yeah. the team's home for this long period, so this would be a great opportunity for somebody to come over here to kind of cover him. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised at all, um, especially if he keeps pumping twenty plus point games. And Robin always jokes a lot of his Twitter engagement and retweets are from people in Japan. I, if I were Robin, I'd be trying to market myself in Japan. Uh, <laughs> you can make a little money on the side, which we're all interested in, Sean. So you, you'll I'll be at the you're gonna be there Sunday. I think I might. I'm, yeah, I might. I'm, I mean, I, I like to take Sundays off, but um, I uh, I might do that. I take might. it off and watch basketball. Yeah. <laughs> I might head over there. Yeah. And then uh, Husker baseball this weekend, too. I'm intrigued um, to see what yeah. Will Holt's team does opening weekend. Uh, four games, I believe they're playing on, you know, and, and we'll, we'll learn a lot. You know, can they go two and two out of the weekend? I mean, I, I think that's a realistic expectation if they can. But I know Will really likes this team. So, I'm excited to see what that baseball team does this weekend, too. Yeah, I think Will likes it. Remember, keep in mind, he really liked last year's team, too, going in. I mean, I remember discussions with him. I was always a little perplexed by what happened last year because he did genuinely like that team. I mean, we, he, I talked to Will last year at this time about how he liked their lineup one through nine, thought they had power, gap power one through nine. Um, I mean, so I don't know. I mean – He's kind of in a situation where you got to prove it now um, after last season's struggles. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's, it's a fun time of year. Uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm really glad that Fred's program has come around where it will be fun. Um, I mean, that Maryland game, it now, t- Sean, that Maryland game is going to be tough. Um, but I, it is, it, but you will be there and it'll be packed. I mean, that, that place will be packed. 
All right. Well, we got a busy weekend. Sip and I are heading to Ainsworth Friday, yes. and we're going to drive back. Um, and we got the in-state tour event Sunday morning in Lincoln. Uh, so we're going to have a, a whole host of prospects come through, and then Husker basketball uh, Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, along with all the baseball coverage. So lots of reasons to get on HuskerOnline.com. Sipple's going to have a great column on Carter Nelson that we plan to feature on Sunday morning. So you want to get up early. Sipple opens up the store at 6 a.m. and gets that column up. So get get online. Um, Thank you for joining us as well on Husker Online Headlines. We love doing this. It's a new show. It's been wildly popular. We really appreciate the support. If you're not a subscriber, you can get us on the podcast channels anywhere you get podcasts or subscribe to us here and like us on the Husker Online YouTube channel and check us out at huskeronline.com. We got a great special $29.99 gets you access to Husker Online all the way until August 31st. For huskeronline.com, I'm Sean Callahan.